service. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Dear Young Rocker, just because you're shy doesn't mean you don't have anything to say. It's quite the opposite, in fact. In my experience, most people who are labeled shy are usually actually talking a mile a minute. It's just inside their own head. That certainly includes me. Although a lot of the time, extroverted people will assume us introverts either have nothing going on in the brain department or are rude, both of which are incredibly frustrating to deal with. It's especially painful to hear that when what you've actually been doing while looking blankly at someone has been trying to think of some combination of the nicest and most interesting thing possible to say to them to make sure they enjoy the conversation, but you've just taken way too much time computing all the possible sentence structures and then the thing that actually comes out of your mouth makes almost no sense. Turns out, quote unquote, normal people just go ahead and say whatever comes to mind without doing any of this computation first. Weird, right? Even though I've figured this out, sometimes I still forget that people can't actually hear what's going on in my internal world because my thoughts just sound so dang loud to me. But I've been told that no matter what kind of storm is brewing inside me, my face generally appears neutral, even meditative or sleepy sometimes. I've even gotten this feedback after sitting next to someone while having a full-on panic attack. You've just got such a calm, soothing aura, he said to me. Uh, okay. I think this is why a lot of us shy, overthinker people also deal with anxiety a lot of the time, too. Our thoughts can become a swirling feedback loop in our head when they never get released. Each rotation around our brain gives them more volume and more momentum until they become a tornado. One person who I think knows this is Elise Okusami. Elise releases her own music and plays with her band under the name Oceanator. In one of her songs, called January 21st, she sings, I think too much, I think too much, thoughts spilling out of my head, and learning how to swim, finding homes in other parts of my body, thoughts, growing legs, crawling under my skin like bugs, swimming through my veins, swimming upstream to spawn and make me worry even more. I think, I think, I think, I think. To me, those words hit the essence of anxiety. Somehow, It's not what you're actually worrying about or what you started worrying about that causes so many problems and feels so horrible. It's actually worrying about worrying, 
feeling the worry that started out as this specific thing creep its way into every part of you. You end up stressing about being stressed and how that stops you from enjoying the present moment. You can get stuck thinking in these circles. Some of my personal favorite ones are thinking about all of the things I've read about how stress hormones hurt your body and can contribute to things like heart disease. Another great one is how unattractive it is to potential friends to be around someone who's worrying about themselves all the time and how you should probably just keep yourself away from other people, but then you'll be isolated and even more miserable. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. It truly can feel like insects have infested every inch of you with worry. Because of all of this, I think it actually makes a lot of sense that us quiet, anxious ones end up enjoying loud music a lot of the time. The media has always portrayed punks as the wild, loud, obnoxious troublemakers. And yet, most of the kids I've met who wear spiked jackets and mohawks have been kind of quiet, sensitive, and kind. We like shouting along when our favorite band plays, or even making our own noise on stage in front of an audience, despite being barely able to eke out a whisper in supposed normal social circumstances. And for this reason, rock shows can sometimes be the only place we feel a real intimate connection with a group of other human beings. The first time it happens, it's pretty intense. And that's another thing Elise knows about. But I'll get out of the way now because it's time for her to tell a story. And I know you'll like it. Here's Elise. I'm Elise Okusami, and my pronouns are she, her. Dear Young Rocker, this show is going to be huge. You're thinking it right now, I know, but I'm telling you that it's one that you're going to remember. You're standing in this warm, low-ceilinged room. It's filling up quickly, and it's loud with conversation, but not in a way where you can pick out any one thing being said. You're there with a few friends. You're finally allowed to go to shows without parental supervision. You're nervous, there's a lot of people around, and you've always gotten nervous in large groups of people. You're constantly worried about your weight, the size of your body, and how much space you're taking up. You feel overall too big. You don't crowd surf because you are worried that everyone will think you are too heavy. You're not worried that they might drop you or that you'll get hurt. You're worried that in their minds they will be thinking, wow, this girl is heavy. But you're excited too, because you've been wanting to see this band and the excitement and anticipation in the air is palpable. You live in Maryland, but you go to high school in DC, so you end up spending a lot of time there. And it's where you'll see and play most shows during high school. Your wardrobe already consists mostly of band shirts, and you almost always wear black low-top chucks. 
In middle school, the style was everything baggy, but now as you're getting into high school and trends are changing, clothes are starting to become smaller and tighter. You're somewhere in between. You get some of your clothes from Hot Topic, some from Pacific Sunwear, and a lot from merch tables or at the Tower Records, or from innerpunk.com, where you can sort through shirts and merch from a ton of the bands you're just discovering but have yet to see live. So this show. It's October 20th, 2003, and you're a junior in high school. You're in the basement of the First Trinity Lutheran Church in Washington, D.C. It's small, with a low ceiling, and people mill around waiting for the band to start. Tonight it's Against Me from Gainesville, Florida, with the Lawrence Arms and Del Cielo, a local punk band consisting of three women, which is very cool to see. You and three of your friends have come specifically for Against Me, but you're all excited to see the other bands too. You heard Against Me's record for the first time recently, and it made a big impression on you. But more on that later. Your clothes match everyone else, and that makes you feel more at home. Black pants, a black shirt with a band name printed on it. Bleached streaks in your shortish, curly hair. Your new friend from high school, Laura, chose guest jeans, a studded belt, and a Sex Pistols tee, though before leaving, she changed that out for a pink safety pin tank top from The Gap. I know your anxiety manifests in ridiculous ways. Like at night, for months after you learn about the Cold War in middle school, every time you hear a plane or helicopter flying overhead, you think it's the Soviet Union coming to bomb your house. And you're shy, too. Being shy, it's hard to talk to people. New situations, crowds of people, it can all be a little much for you. It feels like your mind both works too slow and too fast to talk to people. That's not something you're going to grow out of, by the way. Going to shows, though it should stress you out because of the crowds, is somehow different. Once the band starts, the crowd actually becomes something wonderful. You love to be in the middle of it all, bouncing off of other people, screaming along with other people, all united in this one place. And then the show is over and people are trying to talk to you to make small talk and it's awful. You just want to get out of there as soon as you can. But try not to worry about it. Many of the friends you make throughout high school are still going to be your friends for many years to come. Let's go back a little bit. You're eight or maybe nine, and your slightly older neighbor brings over a CD copy of Green Day's Dookie. He tells you and your younger brother that you're going to love it, that it's one of the best things he's heard in a while. You put the CD on in your brother's room, he's the one with the speakers and a CD player right now, and listen. He's right. It is one of the best things you've ever heard. It's loud and fast, but it's still bright and upbeat and fun and catchy. And you don't understand a lot of the words, not because they're not enunciated clearly, but because you just don't know what they mean all strung together like that. But the music is good and it speaks to you, and it's going to set you on the path that you'll take for the next couple of decades. Around this time, you get your first guitar. You didn't even know you wanted a guitar, but once it's home and in your hands, it is your new favorite thing. It's a wood-colored Yamaha Pacifica, on sale at the shop in one of those packages with a small 15-watt practice amp. The guitar is ugly. In a few years, you'll cover it with stickers to be like Billy Joe. But for now, it's a guitar and it makes noise and you learn how to form your fingers to play the right notes. I know it's just a dream right now. You have elaborate and often inaccurate fantasies about what it will be like to play a show every night, to tour the world, to perform songs that you've written yourself in front of hundreds or thousands of people. You play guitar almost every day. You stand on your bed and pretend it's a stage. You play along to your favorite songs and pretend you're up there with Billy Joe and Mike and Trey. 
A few years later now, you're 10 or 11 now, and every morning on your way to school, you pick two to three CDs to bring with you for the ride to and from, and for recess or other moments, you might have time to pop on your headphones. You get made fun of for having both Dookie and Insomniac because, as another fourth grader yells at you, Green Day are sellouts. This is around the time when you will start to discover some of the bands and albums that will be with you still today. Presidents of the USA, Our Lady Peace, Green Day, to name a few, and some other bands that while you no longer listen to still hold a special place in your heart. You start a band with some friends and you start having band practice every week. Sometimes you're in your basement, sometimes the drummers, but every Saturday you're all playing together. It's you and four boys, and the five of you learn all your favorite songs off the radio and play them over and over. And you start to write songs, too. You work on guitar parts and lyrics in the driveway or in your room, and you bring them to band practice. It's a very strange but amazing feeling to hear something you wrote being played full and loud like this, being played the same way you'd play those cover songs. It makes them feel like real songs. Later, you will worry about not being good enough when you start getting comments like, oh, you're really good for a girl. And you will worry constantly about that for years. But for now, you're just playing and no one is judging and it is fun. The parents are upstairs and letting you all be as loud as you want. So you're singing and playing and having an amazing time for hours every Saturday. So, fast forward. You're in high school now, and you're meeting new friends. You start to find more people who are into the same music that you're into. And you see real-life punks in your school with messy hair and even piercings. And to top it all off, they're nice. They talk to you about music and introduce you to bands you've never heard of, especially local bands. Your friend Justin has a car. It's an older, boxy gray Toyota or Honda. The whole back of it is covered with stickers, which you think is very cool. Him and your other music friends are a year older, too, so it's pretty cool to be able to hop into a car and go to a show with them. Or, like you all do on many nights, to just drive around and listen to music. You play each other the newest bands you've found, either from going to shows, from talking to people, or from going to the local record shop and just looking for something in the dollar section that has a cool cover. You start to get into more local music. Up until now, it had been mostly what was on the radio, with some diving into the catalog of Epitaph or Lookout. You join their thrash punk band. The shows are loud and extremely fun. They've been playing around a bit already, so people already know the words to some of their songs. And it's the first time you get to experience that feeling from the other side where it's not you screaming at the band, but someone screaming lyrics at you. You also get to meet a lot more people who dress and think like you, and who like the same music as you. You play drums, or bass, once guitar, and twice you even fill in for the lead singers slash screamers. It's fun to play loud and fast and do something together, not just with your bandmates, but with everyone in the crowd as well. You still hate speaking in public or to groups. If there are too many people hanging out at once, you're the quiet one just listening. Giving presentations in class, raising your hand in class to speak, these things are too difficult. But performing music on a stage is somehow completely different. That's not to say you're not shy there, too. I know you were glad to have those two rack toms the first time you played drums on stage. You weren't going to use both of them, but you felt hidden behind them. 
protected almost. It's spring of sophomore year and Justin calls. He has an album he just has to show you. This album will end up being another world changer, even if that world was just your own, small, personal one. But you don't know that yet. So you head over to his house. His room is in the basement, so the noise from the stereo doesn't bother his parents. You sit in the big satellite dish-looking chair in his room. Another aside here, he'd later give you that chair, and you'd carry it with you to New York when you moved. You still have it to this day, actually. But anyway, you're here, and it's now, and you're sitting in that chair, and he puts on the album and hands you the CD cover so you can look at the album art. You read the title, Against Me, Reinventing Axl Rose. It's a bold image, all black and white and red. And you listen, and you two chat a bit while you listen. But a few songs in, you go silent, and you stay that way until the end, just taking in every bit of the songs, the way they sound, the way they were played, the words, and the way that final song ends and holds out a note. Every song sounds like the band just means it so much. It's sang, but screamed, and there are just so many sing-alongable lines. You can feel that even on the first listen. Later, you will rewrite one of those in your head, and just for yourself, switching out two key words to make it fit your life a little more. Mary, there is no hope for us If this Honda van don't make it across the state line We might as well lay down and die Because if Maryland takes us We're taking everyone down with us But here, you and Justin just listen in silence And even after the record is over, you sit quietly in awe for several minutes before either of you say anything. It's moments like these that you will remember. You know now, at the time, as it's happening, that it's huge. But you don't realize all the ways it will affect you and shape your life in the upcoming years. But that's okay. Because part of what you're working on anyway is trying to be there in the moment. Trying not to overthink everything or worry about saying or doing the wrong thing or worrying that your body is the wrong shape or size, or that your skin is the wrong color, that you're listening to the wrong music. I know how every time you go to a punk show, you search the room for another black person before you feel safe. And when you find each other, for it seems like they're doing the same thing, and your eyes meet, you nod at each other. And you're not sure if you're projecting it or not, but it seems like you both relax. Safety in numbers, even if that number is only two. So now here you are, junior year and in a church basement in DC, a basement that is crowded and a little smelly with how many people are here. It's winter, but it's hot, and this band is on tour. Most of the shows you've been to are huge, at stadiums or places with amphitheater in the name. A few at the 930 Club, but even that is a fairly large venue. But this is a big band, to you at least, and they're playing in a church basement. I know how huge this is to you. The idea that a band could tour and play somewhere like this. That not everything relies on the big venues you've been used to seeing bands at. There's a little stage of sorts down there, but it's only about a foot off the ground. And even though this record is somewhat new to you, you've listened to it so many times that there you are with everyone else, 
yelling along to the songs as they're played. And we rock because it's us against them we found our own reasons to sing. After the show, the bassist talks to you and your friends for what feels like a very long time. He is very nice and very gracious with his time, and you realize, wow, okay, these are people. I mean, you always knew these were people, but this interaction seems to bring it home. You're just chatting with a person, and someday that person really could be you. This feels like home. So, young rocker, try, if you can, to not worry so much. I know that's a lot to ask. I know right now you worry about everything, constantly. And I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's not going to go away. You're going to go from a worried and anxious kid to a worried and anxious adult. But you know what? There are some wonderful and amazing things along the way. You're going to tour the country playing songs you wrote, and you're going to see people move and dance, and yes, even sometimes sing along to them. You're going to meet a ton of new and amazing people who become your good friends very quickly, because that's what touring is like. It bonds you. You're going to talk to people after shows, and they're going to say things to you like, I was scared to get up on stage and play my songs, but seeing you do it was so inspiring. I think I'm going to try it. And it is going to be incredible to get to give back some of what was given to you when you were a kid. Learn how to say no to things you don't want to do, even if they sound like a good opportunity. You don't have to say yes to everything, and the whole reason you're doing this is because you love it. Try to remember that and don't get bogged down by things you think you should do. Read all your contracts carefully, all of them. No skimming. Get a water bottle for tour. You know you're bad at drinking water, and you're going to need it. And overall, for now, if you can, just try to enjoy every moment. Try to balance the worry and the anxiety that you're feeling with the joy of everything around you. Because eventually, you're going to get to a place where you can balance it a little better. You'll still be anxious, but you'll be okay. So take care, and I'll see you later. Amen. Anxious But Okay would be a song that I would scream along to. It kind of makes you want to sing just reading those words. And props to Elise and all of us who've gotten through enough of life with anxiety to actually find peace with it. You know, I've kind of seen that as much as anxiety tells us our lives will be some kind of waste of time if we're nervous while we do things rather than outwardly confident, which is how we're supposed to be. Well, life can actually be pretty good all around, even if you're nervous all the time. I like to say that accepting your anxiety is the best thing you can do for yourself. Stop running from it, as scary as it is. Plant your feet, turn around, and give it a hug for what it's trying to do. 
which is protect you from the bad things out there. And that's what I think I've done in Dear Young Rocker. And I've seen some of my guests, like Elise, do in their own stories. Of course, we're all different people, and we have our own relationships to our various mental things. So I'm always intensely curious to hear how writing this memoir felt for each new guest. Thus, I asked Elise what doing this whole thing was like for her. Yeah, um, it was weird. <laughs> it was cool, but it was weird. It was like, um, it was, I had these memories kind of there already, vaguely, you know, and then really focusing in on all this different stuff kind of opened up a whole world of other memories that were in there that I hadn't really thought about, but I guess we're just like locked away in my brain somewhere. So it was a fun little exploration. And it was also kind of cool to think about like what little me would think about big me <laughs> and vice versa, I guess. So yeah, it was fun, but um, kind of weird. What would little me think of big me? That's a pretty good question. I think it's a pretty awesome thing to think about, actually, because she's in there somewhere. The little me that thought it would be so cool to be able to play guitar and bass at all, and the one who thought that it would be absolutely crazy to ever write a whole album's worth of songs. Even the one that wasn't sure I'd ever be able to join a band, never mind start my own. It's easy to get stuck thinking about the bigger, grander dreams you have for the future and how far we are away from them. But Elise's question is a good reminder to realize how many dreams that seem so small now were so big back then and how we've totally dominated them. I think little me would be impressed, even if she wouldn't let on. Speaking of dreams and accomplishments and writing songs, Elise released an album this past August with her band Oceanator on her very own label, which is called Plastic Miracles. The album is called Things I Never Said, and I'll just say it straight up, I enjoy every single song on that album. Oceanator also just released a live album called I'm Going Online Today, so please check those both out on Bandcamp. I also made sure to ask Elise if she had any organizations she wanted to give a shout-out to, and she had two great ones. I've been doing some fundraising for the Black Trans Travel Fund, which is a New York-based group that um, collects donations and helps um, Black trans people travel. And by travel, we mean, like, get transportation, like, uh, like safely get to work and stuff, um, because that's much more dangerous for those folks um, statistically. And... Uh, then uh, recently started fundraising for um, Crown Heights Mutual Aid, which is a very local to me, just mutual aid um, group that popped up during COVID to try and help get groceries and stuff to people in need, groceries and medicine. I'll make sure to link to the Black Trans Travel Fund and Crown Heights Mutual Aid, as well as Oceanator's Bandcamp in the episode description so you can check that all out. Okay, rockers. I'll see you next time, and I wish the best for you and your many little selves. 
Next time on Dear Young Rocker, Wendy Eisenberg takes us back in time to an early 2000s pool party with the popular kids, and we'll think about what it means to truly do our own thing. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. It was created and is produced, written, and hosted by me, Chelsea Erson. I also created the theme song. Colin Fleming helps with sound design and mixing, and Auto Clamor provides editing and production assistance. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please let me know by sending in a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also hang out with me virtually by following at Dear Young Rocker on Instagram. Please do not hesitate to send me a message there and also follow Double Elvis for news about all of our new cool music podcasts. And if you'd like some snazzy DYR buttons or a t-shirt, go to doubleelvis.com shop. As always, the best thing you could ever do for this show is to share it with someone who you think would like it or just everyone you've ever met. Thanks, rockers. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.